welcome to the Abstract Veterans Podcast. Today, Char Gatlin and Kevin Sickinger speak with Micah Montanari. For more information, please visit limbic-cenc.org. Visit the Abstract Athlete for more information and news. The Abstract Veterans Podcast with Char Gatlin and Kevin Sickinger. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Um, I am Dr. Char Gatlin, your co-host, along with <laughs> I see Ron up there laughing, along with your co-host uh, Kevin Sigurdsson, retired Lieutenant Colonel Kevin Sigurdsson, excuse me, uh, having you back for yet another episode of the Abstract Veteran Series, where we take a look at the uh, the science and we break it down for the layperson and we try to make it fun. As many of you know that have listened in the past, uh, this year, unlike last year, we're bringing more of a focus in on the caregivers, uh, survivors of TBI, laypersons of TBI, and the community in general. I mean, we still still go over the research. We still bring in folks like that. But one of the things that we concluded uh, in some of our conversations is that a lot of times um, podcasts of this nature sort of overlook, you know, folks that may have to deal with the trials, tribulations, and challenges of, in this case, TBI and other aspects of the injury. So with that, uh, Kevin, good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning, Sharon. Doing great. I love the shirt, folks. You got to you got to see it. Uh, we're doing Hawaiian style in Richmond, Virginia area. It's uh, yeah. And I've got the Paisleys on myself, actually. It's uh, kind of a, a neat one, size extra large. Um, <laughs> so with that, we have a very interesting guest with us today. Miss um, Micah Montanari. Did I get that correct? Miss sure uh, Micah is the spouse of Joe Montanari, who is one of our VCU assistant researchers. Lucy translated, Joe kind of coordinates the show, for lack of a better term, from all the, the different research arms on the Limbic Sensi uh, Consortium. And uh, we'd like to well, welcome you first and foremost. So tell us a little bit about yourself. And um, yeah, we'll just start with there and we'll, we'll go along as we go. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for having me here today. Um, so a little bit about me, as, as you mentioned, I'm married to Joe. Um, we have two children, a 10-year-old and an eight-year-old, and they certainly keep us busy and challenged on a daily basis. Um, professionally, my background, I'm an industrial organizational psychologist, which is just a really fancy term for study of the workplace and how people interact in the workplace. Um currently employed by the Transportation Security Administration, the TSA, so airport security. I've uh, worked in the human resource function uh, since I've been there the past 16 years, actually, as of two days ago. And um, I've worked as a personnel psychologist developing selection and certification tests for the 60,000 employees there. I also worked in our metrics arm and helped support the strategic workforce planning. And I'm currently the branch chief of the performance management group. And I oversee the performance management programs for all of our employees, except for our senior executives. And I also oversee our annual proficiency review, which is our law mandated requirement that our screening officers have the skills and abilities to perform the job and they have to demonstrate that on an annual basis. So that's currently what I do there. All right. So that's, that's your job job. Um, your other full-time job is uh, 
is uh, being married and living with wonderful Cincy Joe is his nickname. He, uh, during the first first grant, he, he was the, the, the grant. He became the face and the personality behind the grant. Uh, so how, how did you two meet? Um, and tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So we met in college, um, and at least that's what we jokingly say we tell our kids and everyone else, because we really met at a frat party. But, you know, college, it was college. That's the truth. Details don't always matter. Um, but we met, I have to do my backwards math, in 2002. And we dated off and on for a couple of years. And then we got engaged. And a couple months after getting engaged, Joe got word that he was being deployed overseas. So most of our engagement, he was over in Iraq. Um, he got to miss all the wedding fun, um, <laughs> which I, I don't think he minded too much, you know, because I'm not the best at making decisions. I really like to research all my options and he's a little more, he'll make a decision and move on with it. So um, I got to do a lot of that on my own. And then when he got back, we got married in July of 2006. Mm -hmm. um, so, so doing that math, uh, Joe, and I'm not sure how we're going to handle this. We don't want to talk too much about Joe's private health information, but you, you knew him pre-injury and post-injury. Would that be correct? Yep, that, that is accurate. Okay, good. All right. It was a, it's interesting background in, in reading over your bio, University of Akron, no less. I, uh, I knew someone that went there many, many, many years ago. Um, <laughs> funny, funny how that works. So, I mean, you're you're obviously a professional. There's no doubt about it. And you work a very challenging, you know, and stressful, stressful job on the TSA and, and what they do. Obviously, we discussed that a little bit, a little bit before. Um, highlight, if you don't mind, some of the some of the challenges, if you will, of balancing, you know, a very successful professional career with that of also being a caregiver. We have a lot of of listeners out there that are, are professions professionals in their own right, you know, that have to figure out the nuances of that balance, you know, being able to care for the, you know, the survivor or family member, you know, of a TBI. And then obviously in many cases are the, are the breadwinners for lack of a better term. What's your thoughts upon that? Yeah. So I think first and foremost, and this probably sounds really selfish, but I have to take care of me um, and prioritize just, my health and, you know, the things that I do to take care of me to really just kind of get my mindset. Um, I typically like to get up and work out before the day starts and anyone's awake. So I noticed on the days I don't do that, I'm not as prepared to handle everything and juggle and balance between work and home. Um, so I think taking care of me has been important. Um, Another thing that has really been beneficial, especially with Joe participating in the study and working on it and just the information he has shared with me, it's really shed some light on why he is the way he is. So becoming educated as well has helped me understand, you know, and accept, I guess on some levels too, some of his behaviors and tendencies for, and allow me to process it in a way that that's an impact of the TBI versus just who he is. And I find less frustration, if I can call it that, in that there's a reason behind some of these things. And I know that it's because of the injury he sustained. And that helps me just kind of prepare and adjust and 
respond better than just assuming, you know, it, <laughs> it's him just being disorganized or something like that, you know? No, it's, it's a learning curve. And, you know, I'm yeah. glad you, I'm glad you highlighted that, you know, it, and once again, reading, you know, over some of the information, I mean, I used to leave my glasses in my shirt pocket and I would walk around the house <laughs> looking for them. <laughs> they, they were, they were in my shirt pocket and, and my, my wife would get really annoyed with it after a while. I didn't yeah. accuse her of hiding or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, but but it's interesting what you say, though. I mean, sometimes when you have sort of these, I don't want to use the term nuances, but sort of sequelae or spinoffs of the injury, you know, and the level of frustration that that can cause, not only to the survivor, but to the to the caregiver as well. You know, you have to you have to find that to find that balance. Was there anything kind of in, in particular that to elaborate on maybe for some of our listeners that you had to figure out, you know, do I do 50 percent of one or 50 percent of the other? Something like that. Um, I, I think it was really just learning that, you know, so, some of the things that I would find incredibly frustrating were just, you know, likely results of his injury. So for an example, um, especially when our kids were a little younger, if and that's I had, another dynamic too. Well, well right. <laughs> that was a whole different stressor, the kids being young. But, you know, I, I do work remote full time, but there are times I would have to go into my office, which is two hours away. So it's literally my whole day when I'm gone. And like that change in our routine would be difficult for Joe to adjust to. And it just because it threw off like his what he was expecting for the day and just his, his routine really. And so I used to get really irritated because I'm like, just adjust, you know, like, I don't understand, like things happen and it, it wouldn't happen. I wouldn't just wake up one day and decide to go. There was always some notice. So like, I just never understood that. Um, it was just that, that deviance from the routine and the expectations that he just had difficulty with. And once I was told that, um, I was like, oh, and it provided some grace to that whole process. And I was able to see what I could do better on my end to help prepare and maybe not help that seem so disruptive to his day. So you, you mentioned the working remote part since March of 2020, Joe and I have both been working remote. And then you also had probably about a year there where the kids were working remote from school. How, how did all of that, how did the combination of Joe being home 24-7, kids being home, COVID, everything, how did, what changes did you see? What what effects did that have? Um, in some respects, it's such a blur, um, but it, it was definitely chaotic and stressful. Um, and every single day we needed a plan of action um, so that we could help the kids get done what they needed to be done. You know, they had their schedules. Joe and I both had our work schedules and meetings. So there were certain times that like I needed quiet and had to go hide somewhere or he needed a quiet and had to go hide somewhere. Um, so we, it really required that we communicate a lot. Um, we also partnered with us with some friends to try to help unload some of the burden with the children. And so like there were days 
days that our kids weren't even here, which was helpful. But then there were other days that we had a house full of kids um, because we took everyone else's in. So it really just required that we communicated a lot and had a plan and knew for that day, you know, almost down to the hour, you know, who was who was on deck to handle the kids, help with the technical issue, make sure someone's getting lunch. Um, and I think having that plan helped because it just put us all on the same page and tried to alleviate frustration as best we could in a stressful situation. No, the, the planning and community component are, are two of the things that I think are, at least in my, my mind and my experience, sometimes that are, that are overlooked. You know, you don't want to plan something and then over plan it where it's almost like it's a routine because you still want some spontaneity. You still need, you know, me time or our time, away time, things like that. But it's nice to see, and you, and you mentioned it, to bring in that communal support system where you have, and I can remember that, you know, FRG back in my, my, young, my young days, you know, but you had other military spouses, you know, and families that were around where you had to, to rely on, on each other. Was there anything that, uh, that you learned through the community um, to maybe assist in your, your caregiving duties or in your day-to-day -day planning or, or operations for maybe other caregivers or other survivors or just other sort of techniques out there that maybe some of our listeners would, would be interested in hearing? Uh, hmm. Or you can go it and go it alone. Nothing, I mean, that, it. nothing that's coming to mind. Um, you know, I, I think it's always helpful to know that you're not alone um, with you know, handling um, situations. And so just not being concerned with opening up and seeing um, who's out there and can also offer assistance and, um, you know, just be, be a listening ear and, and help one another, you know, take help when it's offered to you. No, that's a really good point. Um, go going back to kind of the, the quick question I asked earlier, you, you knew Joe before injury and post injury. Um, what were what would be some of the differences that you might have seen in Joe, and then what were some of the possible differences um, that you had to deal with relationship wise? Um. So, you know, b before injury, I would say Joe, you know, he's certainly always very fun loving and positive and just kind of life at the party, you know, very relational. He huge family guy and that's never changed. Um, but just very engaged in everything. And I think post injury, and I don't know if this is so much injury or just post-deployment things, but, you know, it, it took him quite a while to kind of come, come back to that fun, loving, engaged, re relational type person, um, you know, especially at first. And I think a lot of that was post-deployment and maybe looking back, it was also some of the injury. And at the time I had no idea, like I, I didn't know what to expect. I expected him to come back the same person, which was incredibly naive of me. Um, so it was quite a learning curve, I think, to just kind of see that muted type personality that he then had. Um, you know, that 
coming back, he also had a lot of, of physical ailments. Um, headaches have been a recurring challenge and issue. Um, and, you know, there's weeks that they don't happen, then there's weeks that they happen almost every day. And so when they happen now, it's like for me, the headaches have probably been something that, although difficult because then I'm picking up whatever's not being done by him because he needs to go handle it. It The physical symptom has been easier for me to adjust to um, because I know, well, you don't feel well. And of course, you're not going to want to go do these things if you aren't feeling well. Um, so that's been a little easier of a situation to adapt to. Um, but it certainly has caused for him to miss out on different events with friends and family. Um, you know, I've had to just handle a lot of things on my own, um, which is fine. You know, I've been helping take care of the house and the kids and all that when it's needed. Um, but that that's definitely just been a change. You know, he he's not able to just kind of do all of the things that he would have done before. I, you know, I'm glad you highlighted some of that. You know, it's an, it's an incredible burden. And I don't think, in fact, I know, I don't think I know this, that a lot of folks in the community don't, don't get that. I, I can remember my own, I had a moderate back in the day, but, you know, slurred speech, you know, movement issues, you know, anxiety, just a low threshold for you know what. And, and folks would always misread and construe that as this is not really a nice person, this, that, and the other. But, you know, I don't have the time of day to sit here and explain to you, you know, where this comes from or why it comes from. Just, you know, and but that's a tough balance because, you know, when you go out in public, for example, to to a, to a restaurant, let's say, you know, and, and you're eating, you know, and it's, I don't have, how do you say this? Like when you... You mentioned you guys were dating before, you know, you're, you're sort of flirting, you're having a good time, you're engaging, you know, now it's like, uh-uh, <laughs> we're going to eat, we're going to get out of here, we're going to go do it, won't you? So it's, you know, and a lot of people don't don't necessarily get that in some of the challenge that is associated, not to mention, you know, the challenges associated with the deployment, you know, yeah. hands down. And coming out of that kind of off-tempo environment, that's the military, you know, it's a it's a really no no BS structure, or at least it used to be anyway. You know, this is the platoon. This is the way it works. You know, I mean, this is this is you, you want to be an individual. You could be an individual somewhere else, somewhere else. But it's tough when you come back out of that environment, as you as you said, you know, and to be able to to look at the individual before and then and then who they are now and kind of figure out that that balance. You know, I mean, this is this is the same person. And one of the things that, that I saw, too, this was firsthand as well, is that, you know, the spouse, my the spouse, she was my wife would have to explain to people the, 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 the problem. And it was almost to the point where you just want to give them a list, you know, and just have them have them read over the disclaimer before <laughs> they talk to you don't, and you don't have to deal with it. But I think it's really neat, you know, the way that you, that you, as I said, you identified some of those problems. And I think it's a nice takeaway for a lot of our listeners out there that have to deal with a lot of sequelae, you know, the headaches, the frustration, the, the, the mood swings, light sensitivity, the, the hearing issues. You know, not being able to, to get a shoe untied. That was my pain. I still can't tie my shoes. I have a, I have, hence the Birkenstocks I brought up earlier. Really <laughs> no, I have to wear some thick, thick socks with them. But I, I'm glad that we, that we brought that up because I think there are a lot of, a lot of challenges out there. And if you don't mind, maybe elaborate a little bit because you identified some of them, but how you kind of overcame them, some of the challenges. I mean, you mentioned communication, you mentioned me time, but a lot of those things, people, they overlook, you know, they don't, 
you don't they just don't see it you know you have to know someone or be beside someone day in and day out to, to see those changes so uh yeah just any any techniques that you may have come across that uh, folks might be interested in um I, th I think the other thing too is that has kind of helped me is that i've tried to stop explaining some of the things and i don't know if that's the right answer but like trying to quit providing an excuse for or providing a reason as to why you know things might be happening the way they are especially to other people um although with the caveat there i i do think like family members need to better understand the situation because you know they don't they aren't always here all the time right our family lives away from us and so when we're together and if joe is having you know a bad day right and he's having the headaches and he's not feeling well and he needs to just go take care of himself you know for, for me i understand that um but our, you know our family doesn't and actually maybe that just having this conversation now will even prompt me and and him to have this conversation with our family because the thing is then they just end up really frustrated you know like well why is he not paying attention uh spending time with us and why is he away and um you know and now i realize i'm kind of talking in a circle because for a while i would try to provide these excuses and like all these things and then i just was like you know what they i don't need to do this like if he's not feeling well he's not feeling well he needs to go take care of that just let him do that um but perhaps maybe focusing more on helping educate them as to, to why it is and maybe try no, to your education is a huge, huge piece. And, you know, you're, you're very resilient. I'll give you that because I don't think I could have done and a lot of people don't as, as much as you, you know, you're not making excuses for folks, but you're trying to reinvent the wheel each time and, and explain it. And some folks, you know, without being around it, you know, don't, don't understand it. But you said something a little bit earlier that, that I think really, sort of resonates with myself and, and probably a lot of folks out there is you take care of yourself, you know, and that's not only taking your time, you know, or, or taking care of, you know, spending time on your own, doing whatever you do that makes you fun, but taking care of yourself in a very different emotional way saying, Hey, look, enough is enough. You know, I've been told you once how what's going down. If you can't figure it out, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, you know, and, and some people, and that's, that's an odd balance within itself too, because some people don't know, you know, and they need that education, but some folks, you know, it, it's the, I mean, how many times have, have you got to tell them, you know, I just, yeah. I'm glad you highlighted that. I, I think that's, and, and no, I don't think there's any one size fits all on that either. I think that, you know, for each individual and each relationship and dynamic, you know, the physical, spiritual, emotional, et cetera, there's always going to be a different, a different balance to it, yeah. you know, be able to sort of delineate what that is. And then, you know, to, to prompt folks to come out there and figure out what that balance is. You know, because if you don't find it, you're not going to find harmony. If you don't find harmony, you're just going to live in frustration. Right. No, no way and, you know, I, I've joked around with people that I used to be incredibly type A until I married Joe. And I've really had <laughs> to kind of bring that down because to your point, I would have just been incredibly frustrated. And who knows if we'd even still be together because like we were just, you know, it was just too much of like the rigidity that I used to follow and have so much structure and now realizing like I need to let go of some of that and balance so I can support him and you know just make that relationship work and you know it 
It's not always going to work according to my plan. <laughs> I had to change. <laughs> well, with a background in organizational psychology, you definitely have to step up on, on the on the, on the, on yeah. the average person. For sure. <laughs> Maybe that helps. <laughs> you're, you're talking about um, the family portion, and that, uh, this is not to to uh, make it easier on them. But you know, the, probably with the family, they've they have known the previous joe more and so the the new joe is a change as opposed to somebody that just meets joe today that's joe they don't know they don't know the joe the joe used to be and don't need an explanation on why he's different than uh the previous you know the the fun but you know the funny thing is you know having known joe now for six years um and you've said life of the party that type of joe is a 100 percent kind of guy actually he's more like 110 percent kind of yes. guy. so, so whatever, with the sharks you know so whatever he's <laughs> whatever he's into he is into it full time i mean yep. the the holiday decorations the uh the stuff he does for i mean he is a father 120 percent. i mean he he it, it is fun it's been fun over the six years to watch the thing that Joe does, you know, with, with your kids. So he, he's, he might be a different Joe, but he's still a pretty darn good Joe. Oh, absolutely. Um, that's really sweet to hear you say that too. Um, he is, I mean, like the, that relational aspect of him that was there, you know, pre-deployment, that's still there. Absolutely. And I mean, that's always been one of the biggest things is just his big heart and how he he cares for people and you're right kevin like the the joke in our house is he complicates everything i you were nicer saying he does 110 <laughs> percent, but i'm always like you know like I, I, we just need to put a light in but next thing you know it's a light and ceiling paint and like all these things you know it's just always above and beyond and it's but it's it's great fun um too so the he had some and, that's, and that's you know it's it's interesting you say that you know to a lot of folks uh you know it, it would maybe be considered annoying you know but the the lust for life you know the the will to improve the surroundings you know for other people to improve circumstance and i mean seeing the the ferris wheel at chernobyl that's that was uh that was an interesting one for me and swimming with the sharks but things like that you know i mean you don't you don't find that every day and then still being able to engage you know on the professional side of the house and still able to accommodate you know the different research angles and, and so forth it's just just an incredible you guys are very i mean a very unique couple and i think there's uh there's a lot that folks hopefully will listen to this can can take away from that for sure and if you're out there folks and listening to this as well you know if you have any kind of questions or any type of concerns or or anything, you know, we're easy to easy to reference here at Limbic Sensei. And if we can't answer your question, we can definitely point you in the right direction for sure. Because TBI is is not something that someone should have to suffer through by themselves. You know, it takes a takes a family, it takes a community, and it takes a lot of you know uh, interested and caring individuals to make circumstance better for, for every one of us. So we've actually hit our time limit. I see Ron up top in the box has tagged us at, uh, at our marker at 25 or 27 minutes or what have you not. So before we close, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add, Micah? Any, any words of wisdom or thought or, or comments or 
floor is yours. I, I think and you I can would talk just, about Kevin's shirt if you want to. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I would just reiterate, I think the the community piece kind of is you've mentioned a few times and just there, there's something to be said to have people out there that you can rely on and be yourself with. So we have a core group of friends that, you know, they only know us and Joe post yeah. injury. Right. But they know us, they know our, our goods and our bads and like, we can be ourselves with them. And it's just so wonderful to have friends like that, that we can just be open and transparent with and do life with, um, it, you know, they probably don't even think about the aspect of Joe having that injury and living that day to day, but just having the, those couples that we can rely on and those families, it, it's huge for both of us. Oh, you two are, are definitely an inspiration to many and uh, definitely, you know, nothing but a positive takeaway. Any last comments or thoughts there, Kevin, before we call it a, a day? Um, well, you know, I get to live the Joe experience uh, Monday through Friday from about <laughs> eight to four. So it's he uh, it has been fun watching Joe over the past six years because I think this was kind of like the first office job Joe had yep. had. And so yeah. he was kind of like a bull in a china shop. And it was fun watching. <laughs> but like I said, un under the first grant, he became known as Cincy Joe and is the, uh, we have an emblem for the, uh, uh, for the uh, consortium. It's kind of funny. Joe has uh, made a special Joe version of the emblem and it's I've on, his, it's on when, the, the little box when you don't have the camera, uh, that's his, that's his moniker. And it's pretty funny, but Joe is Sensi. Joe is Limbic Sensi. And Joe is the reason uh, that we have the consortium. And uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. No, no, no. It's been a pleasure working with him. It's a pleasure knowing him and, you know, Limbic Sensi where, you know, we're getting it done, you know, hands down. So, well, folks, that's uh, that's all the time we've got today. I'd like to thank Michael once again for for joining us. And this is why I'm out in Montana. All these folks are over in Richmond. I stay way out here to keep the, the the sanity, you know. And I'll have to break out the Hawaiian shirt next time to to, to match that for sure. <laughs> I'm in North Carolina, man. South, <laughs> twenty five below in a Hawaiian shirt, in Montana. Right? Gotta love that. Anyway, hey folks, thanks for joining us again today. And you know, as always, if you if you you think you know you need some answers if you have a problem if you're not really sure you know we're not hard to we're not hard to find there's links uh, on the website and so forth and they'll obviously be posted but but reach out um you know you're not alone and if we can't help you we'll definitely point you in the right direction so with that uh, i'd like to thank the team that remains up scene and ron up top in the box for yet another episode of the abstract veteran series and we shall see you down the road thanks for tuning in and until then take care Thank you to Micah Montanari for joining Char Gatlin and Kevin Sickinger today on the Abstract Veterans Podcast. For more information, please visit limbic-cenc.org. The Abstract Veterans is produced by The Abstract Athlete. For more information, please visit theabstractathlete.com. 
And as always, follow us on all of our social media platforms under The Abstract Veterans, The Abstract Doctors, and The Abstract Athlete. See you soon with our next episode.